welcome to the Six Hats podcast, where I, Dr. Shami, a lifestyle and nutritional medicine family doctor, will talk about how women strive to find balance each day by juggling their six roles, being a woman, mother, daughter, partner, business owner, and professional. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Six Hats podcast. And today I'm really excited to have Rachel Hansom. So Rachel is an art therapist with a passion for singing and karaoke. And she has hosted karaoke at retreats, in hospital, and in the local community. And she also believes in the power of creative self-expression in cultivating joy and well-being in everyday life. Welcome, Rachel. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. And it's really interesting, Rachel, because you haven't always been an art therapist or a karaoke queen. And I'd love for you to start. Where did your journey start? Because I know you were a dentist in a former yes. life. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. It seems like a long ago former life. But yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I graduated from dentistry in 2003. I think it was all very exciting to graduate, you know, something I'd worked for for many years. But once I started working as a dentist, I found it was quite stressful. Uh, it was quite tiring and it was a lot harder than I thought it would be. And so quite often I'd find myself not looking forward to going to work. So I think that I kind of had the, maybe at uni, I was... I don't know quite what I was excited for, but once the reality of working hit, it didn't feel how I thought it would feel. So, yeah, so I worked for a few years in the UK. That's when I was still living in the UK. Um, I worked under the National Health Service there. In 2006, I moved to Australia. And for a time, when I first got here, I found work life was a lot easier than in the UK. So instead of seeing... 30 to 40 patients a day. I was seeing about maybe 12 to 15. So there was a big improvement. It was less stressful here in Australia. 2007, I got married to my husband who I'd met at dental school. So that was all wonderful. Exciting milestones, you know, moving countries and getting married. I think they kind of acted as distractions from my work for a time. It was probably 2008, 2009, I started to notice that something felt quite wrong. My life was looking great on paper, so I'd achieved most of these things that I'd spent a long time working for. And I was carrying on with my dentistry job. Um, probably on the best days, I was just kind of getting through the day and reassuring myself. I was earning good money, had a great job. My patients liked me. You know, that's all pretty good. But on my worst days, I was feeling really stressed out, found the work difficult. I was stressed by the demands of the patients, I was stressed by the practice's financial targets, and I really just felt powerless to make any change in my life. And quite often, I'd wake up in the morning feeling anxious, I'd be crying before work and not wanting to go to work, and talk to my family a little bit. It wasn't particularly helpful. They, you know, my mum and dad loved me, but I don't think they really understood my experience. So they would say things like, you know, Work isn't always good. Sometimes you've just got to get on with it, that kind of thing. So it was like there was no one really on the outside kind of validating the experience that I was having on the inside. At that point, I didn't have the tools or the skills of my own to help me make sense of the struggles that I was having with work. And I just talk myself into kind of coping with it somehow. And, you know, 
whenever I thought about maybe trying to make a change or should I make a change, there were a lot of things that kind of came up to counteract that. So the biggest thing for me was I felt like, oh, I, I shouldn't make a change because surely that's irresponsible to quit or, you know, almost just like I'm not allowed to or something. You know, I really didn't know anything else. At that point, then I'd spent so many years studying and then working and I didn't really know what else I would do. And I think somewhere deep down, I just didn't believe I was even capable of doing something else. You know, this job, it it also become quite a big part of my identity by then. So although I struggled with it, I guess I kind of liked the idea of being someone with a respectable job or the high achiever or, you know, these kind of ideas. I think it gave me a bit of a false sense of self-worth. And the other thing really, and the family that I grew up in, quitting wasn't really an option. So I was used to just kind of doggedly persisting with things and seeing things through. And it's like there wasn't, of course, there was always another option, but it didn't really feel like there was another option for me to make a change. So I think at that point, it just seemed easier to try to get on with things, even though I look back now and I think, wow, I was desperately miserable. (laughs) But that's just how it was at the time. Wow, Rachel, it's so interesting you talk about your story because not many people talk about it. And I've actually met so many doctors who are struggling with the work-life balance and actually struggling to see, you know, whether they actually love what they're doing. But often I think, is it just the setup and, you know, what we're designed to do to help and help as many people. But unfortunately, the setup is creating so much pressure. Often it's actually due to time and then maybe expectations and it's a combination. And you mentioned some really important points because you sort of go into med school or dental school quite naive and going, yes, this is amazing, (laughs) got in. And then you come out and you're just so ready to take on the world. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just such a shock to the system of the reality of it because there's so much joy in treating patients, but it's everything else around it that I actually think, and I'm a strong believer that the system needs to change because it doesn't make sense to me. The whole 10 minutes or making it really quick doesn't make sense to me. And that's why I sort of stepped away from it. But I actually completely understand. And I think so many people who are listening to this will probably relate to your story. And that's why I think this story is so powerful because often you do feel alone. And you mentioned a really good point of, you know, you're standing in society and that kind of drives you to say, yeah, we've got to keep going or you can't quit. And quitting is a disappointment in so many people's eyes. And that kind of keeps you moving forwards. But no one's really talking about the reality that you weren't happy. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's it. So um, that was the reality, you know, underneath everything else. So, yeah, no, I think it definitely was stressful trying to work in the system as it was. I mean, I, I did love connecting with people. I yeah. love building relationships with people. That's one of the big reasons why I chose dentistry in the first place. And it's a caring profession. And, you know, that is one of the positive things that I did, you know, enjoy from it. But, yeah, just trying to work in this stressful system and some you know to be fair some patients were more stressful to deal with than others do as with any job working with the public but but yeah definitely the system itself is very stressful absolutely so Rachel I'd love for us to move on to that transition point of when you were thinking actually I can do something else and you're not alone because I've 
spoken to many who think exactly alike where, wow, I've spent 10 years of my life studying one thing. Can I actually do anything different? And there's lots of fear and it takes a lot of courage to step outside of your comfort zone because what you stepped into was completely different. How did you make that journey? So probably about, I guess it's a little bit of a story that leads up to that. So 2010 was when my husband and I started trying to have a baby and that didn't work. So basically that added, on top of the existing stress that I had around work, that kind of added a new layer of stress to life for me. And I really started to question life differently at that point. I think anyone who's been through an infertility journey will know how difficult it is to go through that and all the different feelings that that come up with it. And so it was really by the end of 2011, I felt like I was, honestly felt like I was about to burst and felt like there's something inside of me just desperate to get out. I felt trapped. I felt empty. Um, I would start having these kind of bizarre experiences at work where I'd, I'd just be at work and then all of a sudden I'd think, what the hell am I doing here? Like, how did I even get here? Hmm. And I, I kind of felt like I was going maybe a little bit crazy. And at that time, I think back to one of my earliest memories, which was from when I was about four years old. I remember standing on our kitchen table at home and I'd sing Uptown Girl by Billy Joel over and over again, just on a loop. It's my favorite song. And total lack of self-consciousness. I fully enjoyed just being in the music, just expressing who I was. And growing up, I'd always dreamed secretly of being a singer. Oh, brilliant. Music, music, you know, it had always been such a big part of my life. And I started to feel really sad that I'd somehow gotten so far away from that onto this other track. Mm. It's almost like I didn't know how it happened. It happened so gradually that I didn't realise how far I'd gotten from it or how far I felt that I'd gotten from it. So really, I was kind of at this, almost at this breaking point. And so... It was the end of 2011, and one night, very unexpectedly, I had a big spiritual awakening experience, and it was an amazing experience, and it changed my life almost in a night. And so that's where the real kind of conscious transition began. So it was after that experience, it was like something had been opened up for me and so all of a sudden my personal world was in chaos I was attending therapy I was journaling I was crying and screaming and just in general processing a whole lot of emotion from childhood trauma mm. and as you can imagine after 31 years of keeping things bottled up it was like taking the lid off Pandora's box so it was just a time of complete chaos On the one hand, there was that going on. And on the other hand, at the same time, from this experience and from, I suppose, taking the lid off and letting the energy out, I had a lot of energy in my body just flowing through my body. I had some really big feelings to express. And all of a sudden, I started to sing. Oh, wow. And it was a voice. A voice came out of me that I'd never used before. So I always knew deep down or thought deep down maybe I could sing but it was like my voice had been blocked until Mm. now so it was really exciting to discover this voice and it was quite magical to experience myself in a new way and of course it was great for releasing that energy and expressing that emotion so 
work-wise at this point I was still doing dentistry part-time but I was really I guess I was lit up in a new way and I was searching I was actively searching for something else to maybe study and so it was in 2013 I was just browsing online and uh, this art therapy uh, advertisement for an art therapy course just popped up while I was looking online and I saw it and I just felt so excited and I thought you know what I've got to do this I have to do this course and I went with the feeling so I enrolled in the course and yeah then the next two years that was the length of the course the next two years I spent working part-time as a dentist and studying my art therapy course. And I'd study that in person on weekends and online during the week. So I could do that around the dentistry. And it was just the most amazing time. It was very special. I met a lovely group of women of all ages and we became a very close-knit group. And I got to experience basically two years of art therapy for myself. So I got to make my own art, connect into my own inner wisdom, as well as learning how to work with people in an art therapy setting. And so I qualified in 2015 with an advanced diploma. And at that point, I was still working part-time as a dentist, but I also started seeing occasional art therapy clients from home. And also I ran art therapy sessions at professional retreats that my husband and Mm. I were running at the time. So it was really wonderful to have that kind of new dimension of life. I felt like there was life in my life. For probably for the first time in a long time. Personally, I felt a lot happier and I was a lot more fulfilled. And, you know, aside from that, I was doing a lot of meditation, yoga, mindful living practices and just releasing old emotions, releasing stuck energy, doing my own art and the singing really helped with that. And the singing, I was just in love. I was in love with singing. I was in love with using my voice. I think after many years of maybe not using my voice Mm. in many ways, both in singing and in speech and and standing up in my own life. I was just totally infatuated with it. So I'd spent hours singing along to karaoke tracks at home. It was easier than it had been, I think, as a result of all the personal work that I'd done. Yeah, really good. Uh, Sounds like so much fun. (laughs) Oh, it was. And it is. I still do. (laughs) Brilliant. And, you know, I just felt so much aliveness and joy while I was doing that. I was still working as a dentist, but my experience of work was easier than it had been, I think as a result of all the personal work that I'd done. But it also was starting to become really clear that I was just going through the motions with the dentistry. And I was comfortable, I knew what I was doing, had my patients who liked me, Um, it was quite easy. But I, I felt like the dentistry was now the only part of my life that wasn't fully in alignment with who I was or with what excited me or where I wanted to go. So it was kind of like the piece that felt like it didn't really belong there anymore, even though I didn't perhaps want to admit that at the Mm. time. And I think what I was doing with work was consciously working at gratitude practice. I was appreciating the work as fully as I could. I was connecting with my patients. I was practicing and enjoying living in service to my patients so I think overall I was having a much better experience of work than I ever used to yeah it felt like the bit of my life that in an ideal world it didn't really belong and it's really interesting is it how you moved to art therapy but it was quite hard to let go of dentistry and I think that's my next question of when did you decide to take that big leap 
and what was yeah. going through your mind like what gave you the courage to take that big leap and leave dentistry yeah it was a big leap I think a few things led up to that so in 2017 um, a very close girlfriend of mine passed away oh wow it was very sudden and it was a really big shock and that made me realize that life is precious and it can end just like that can end really suddenly and around the same time there was another significant relationship that I'd chosen to let go of it was a relationship that had been very significant to me Mm. and at the same time my dad's health was declining so he'd already been experiencing years of Parkinson's disease and that was really starting to accelerate and I still hadn't been able to become pregnant so there were kind of there were all these different things, life things happening. And I think besides that initial big awakening experience that I'd had those years ago, those other things had quite a big impact on me. So there was a lot of loss, mm. lots of endings or lots of chapters coming to a close and things not working out. And there was just generally a lot of grief around all those things. So I felt like on one hand, everything was falling down. And at the same time, there was another part of me growing It really felt to me like there was understanding within me growing that my life is really precious. It's short um, and my own love and joy are really important. It's almost like there's there's almost nothing more important Mm. than that. That was the only thing that, the only bit of sense that I could make out of a lot of the loss that I'd experienced. And so it was 2017, so it was the same year my boss in dentistry and asked if I would consider moving to the company's holistic dental practice rather than my current practice Mm. that I've been at for the past few years. And he said, you know, it's just who you are. Like, you know, the holistic practice is more in line with who I was. That's what he was trying to say. And that was probably quite accurate. You know, he could obviously see the changes that I'd gone through and the way that I was living my life and the different, I suppose, the, the differences in me than when I first started working for him. At the time when he asked me that, I felt quite upset that I was being moved away from my comfortable place where I'd been for a few years. Although it was, the holistic practice was actually a much nicer dental practice and it, it was more in alignment with my values, but I just didn't feel any excitement at all at the idea of going there. I just, I couldn't imagine myself moving there, starting a new job in dentistry somewhere. I just felt zero excitement about that. And so it really took me a lot of deliberation and many conversations with friends to help me get some clarity. But eventually I I realized I just need to get really real with myself. And I, I thought, you know, it's time for me to quit dentistry. I just have to quit now. Wow. And I felt like it's really important that I listen to this guidance because I had a feeling that if I ignored it just only something else would come along to force me off the path so it felt kind of serious enough to get real enough with myself to listen to it and Mm. act on it and it was so scary it was a really scary moment because it felt like it was a definite choice between two different worlds it was like I was being asked to trust in the divine more fully uh, trust my own soul trust my inner guidance it was like I was being asked to follow something that was unknown and unseen but it, it was just something that I could feel so that was really scary <laughs> so um, true isn't it because when it's yeah uncertain or you're not actually too clear what the future mm. looks like and it's really interesting people who do you know 
dentistry, medicine, your literal future is completely outlined for you. And yeah. there's a sense of safety in that. But at the same time, right. you know, when you want to do something different, we're so used to being in our comfort zone. And that's where the courage comes in to sort of just trust your gut, trust your instincts to take that lead. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you know, it was a, a really difficult choice. I mean, yeah, I was at that point, I was leaving behind everything that I'd known and worked for for about 20 years. And I think that was the biggest yes. thing holding me back up to that point. It was leaving, like you say, leaving what was comfortable, leaving a job that paid well, it was predictable, something that others saw as successful. So shouldn't I just be grateful? Yes. <laughs> this kind of tug of war between my head and my heart. But, you know, once I removed that, um, once I took the idea of money out of the equation and it's okay there was on the one hand there's, there's the fear and there's the safety of money but if I take that out of the equation and just basing my decision on pure love I knew that I had to quit like I knew there was no other that was the only option and so yeah I talked with my husband he was happy to support me and you know God bless him. I mean, after many painful years for him watching me struggle, yeah, I so think true. he was probably just so relieved. <laughs> to see a happy wife. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, we just decided that I would help him out in his business while I worked out what to do. So yeah, so I wrote my resignation letter. Couldn't believe that I was finally doing it after wow. all these years and gave it to my boss at a breakfast meeting. Wow. I wasn't expecting it at all. It was one of the best days of my whole life. It was amazing. And it was a really nice meeting. I, I told him how much I appreciated his kindness over the years. And he said he'd miss me. He said there'd always be a place for me. So it was a really harmonious, beautiful ending. It was one of the best days of my life. It really wow. was. I still felt scared, but I felt more free and happy than I'd felt for years. And I think it was one of the best things that I ever did for myself. Wow. And I can actually hear that in your voice. <laughs> I can feel <laughs> yeah. that. Just the... I can just visualize just that freedom, isn't it? Of letting go and just oh, heading onto a new path, which is oh, awesome. Amazing. So yeah. Rachel, what I'd love for you to do is just to quickly outline what exactly art therapy is just for our audience and how does it help people? So is it something that they can reach out for in order to help them? Yeah, sure. So art therapy can be used in a few different ways. One of the ways that I have used it the way that I was trained in is where the client creates some art and then the therapist helps them to explore what they've created so the focus is really on the process of making the art for the client and what that experience is like and it's not about what the art looks like when it's finished through the art the client gets to fully express themselves and be witnessed by someone by the art therapist uh, which that in itself is very healing and they also get to then um, explore the art once it's created and they get to gain insight into their experience and then following on from that they can actually get to create new experiences for themselves through the art journey so it's quite a sophisticated process so through the making and the exploration and then shaping the art, the person can create new neural pathways for themselves. So they actually start to develop the ability to tap into and experience different feelings within themselves. And so in that way, the person can have a 
a lived experience of different perspectives, different feelings, and as a result, they can start to begin to actually experience themselves and experience life differently. The beauty of that process is that it all comes from the person's own inner wisdom and innate healing capacity. So rather than the therapist feeding the client external information, it actually comes from within the person. And so for that reason, it's, it's really powerful because it helps to create lasting changes and the person is empowered in their own journey. And it's also a gentle mode of therapy because the client can regulate themselves through the art. So they get to decide how much they express. They get to decide how deeply they want to process it. The therapist is just there as a compassionate guide in the process. Wow. And where can people find art therapists? Is that something that you can go online and Google? And Yeah, yeah, you can. So art therapists are classified as allied health practitioners. And there are many art therapists that work privately. So private practitioners can be found online via their own website. And also um, you can look on the Amzakata website for art therapists. That stands for Australia, New Zealand and Asian Creative Art Therapies Association. So you can yeah, definitely search online and find, um, find people working with art therapy that way. Fantastic. So Rachel, before we let you go, I would love to ask you about your new venture as Karaoke <laughs> Queen. Yes. So tell us more about that. Yeah, so, so for me, uh, Karaoke Queen is a form of art therapy, but it's using karaoke singing instead of creating visual art. And it's really born of my own passion for music and for singing. Um, I've personally struggled with self-worth issues, depression, anxiety for a lot of my life. And art therapy and especially singing, you know, they really became ways of me experiencing myself in a different light. And I get to experience my own joy, my own power, my own beauty when I sing. So I think having come from that place of regularly experiencing feelings of powerlessness, it really turned my own life around. And what I want to do is to share that with other people and to give other people a lived experience of their own joy and power and beauty. And as we talked about with the art therapy before, just one actual lived experience can be very powerful in creating change in a person's life. So, you know, if someone doesn't feel good about themselves, for whatever reason, even if a hundred people might say, oh, you know, you're a lovely person, you're a great person, other nice things, but those external words don't have as much effect compared to just one experience that comes from inside the person themselves. So I really felt very strongly this could help and can help people. And I took this form of therapeutic karaoke to a local private hospital specializing in mental health. And I ran karaoke groups there for two years and I got to see the benefits to people. So how their energy changed, how they experienced something different and how they really lit up through the music and the songs that they chose for themselves to sing. And there were some real magic moments from that time. So the connection with the people through the music and there were so many moments that really touched my heart. Everyone they had their own story, they had their own journey, and the songs that we sang together reflected that. So I see Karaoke Queen is kind of like an extension of that, and I see that as something that can help anyone who wants to experience themselves differently, anyone who wants to experience more joy in life, and anyone who wants to experience their own magic. I really think that 
singing can benefit anyone. So we can all be karaoke kings, queens, and non-gender specific karaoke royalty. But in particular, I feel that it can strongly benefit women. So I think a lot of women, we haven't been encouraged to actively connect with our true selves and our souls growing up. So we might have been rewarded well for achieving or for looking good or behaving politely or things like that. Um, but I think there are a lot of women who grow up quite disconnected from their own true inner power and beauty. And so as a result, I think there can be a feeling of a loss of magic in life. I feel like there are a lot of women out there who maybe have similar feelings like that and maybe a feeling of, you know, is this all there is to life? Is this all there is? And of course, you know, we can try and look for what's missing in all sorts of external things, which might be a good quick fix but it ultimately it might not be what we're really looking for and I think around singing or any kind of self-expression whether it's art whether it's singing um, definitely with singing there can be a challenge when it comes to that kind of expression and a lot of people's first response is something like oh I, I can't sing or I'm tone deaf like I was that. just and about <laughs> to say that <laughs> it's honestly it's the most common thing yes. that I hear as soon as I tell people what I do that's the first thing yes, many yeah. people will say and what I think my take on that is that that statement usually doesn't quite mean that. So I can't sing usually. It may not be 100% accurate. So many of us can make some sort of sound, whether it's humming or it could be speaking lyrics or it could be whistling or even just tapping or clapping or moving the body to the music. But I think what that statement, I can't sing, often means is I'm afraid to try to do that in case it falls short of what I judge to be acceptable. Wow, those powerful words, actually, Rachel. Yeah. Yeah, and that is often based on how the person has been brought up or what they've learned from society. But as with the art therapy, singing karaoke can also purely be about the process and about the experience rather than what it actually sounds like. And so for me, the karaoke sessions are about creating the space and the permission for the person to tap into themselves and go with the experience. So, I love what you said, yeah. because how often do we focus on the end result? Yeah, so often, you know, and really, you know, the end result, we get to see that for like a millisecond, but the experience is something that lasts a lot longer than that. So, yeah, I wonder how it would be to put focus on the experience of these things in life. And so, yeah, I think in a nutshell, Karaoke Queen for me is about tapping into that beautiful powerful, joyful inner self. That's really what it represents to me. And that's what I'm keen to share that and to give as many other people that experience as possible. Amazing. So I know you've got a <laughs> Facebook group. Can you sort of let us know where we can find you? Yeah, so my Facebook page is called Karaoke Queen Therapy. And you can also email me at the karaoke queen at protonmail.com. So yeah, please look me up and please get in touch. I Amazing. Look to hearing you. <laughs> I'm going to be joining that Facebook group for sure. Just absolute joy, a reminder for joy. That's how I see it. And are oh, so many wise words there, Rachel. And I think your story can help so many other people who are in that transition point. And often we don't know what's the next step. And I loved how you shared your journey of vulnerability. I think that's so important for women to actually share those deep, painful stories, because often in society, especially now, you know, with social media, everyone assumes that everyone's living that so-called perfect life. 
but struggling behind it. So I think it's really important to have honest conversations so we can all find joy in our life. I think that's really important. And before we let you go, Rachel, what would your last few words be for our audience? Oh gosh, last few words for me is just, I don't know, sing, just sing and dance. Let your soul sing and dance every day and just, yeah, let that guide your life. Amazing, amazing. Thank you so much, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. Remember that this is general advice only. Please see your healthcare professional for more information. So what's your take-home message today? Remember, it's all about progress and not perfection. And are you suffering from stress? Visit Usawa Learning Hub on usawa.com.au and sign up for the six-week challenge on how to reduce stress today. Enjoy the journey.